brought to you by CGTN Europe. Hello and welcome to The Agenda. I'm Stephen Cole and this week we're getting a view from Russia. Andrei Kelin became the Russian ambassador to the United Kingdom in November 2019. And in that relatively short time in office, he's already had to tackle accusations of Russian interference in elections and referendums, a global pandemic, and also try to avoid getting caught in the crossfire of an increasingly tense transatlantic war of words between Moscow and Washington. In an exclusive interview at his residence in West London, he spoke to me about all of that and more. Let's begin with the recent Parliamentary Intelligence and Security Report, which says the UK is a target for Russian disinformation. Is Russia targeting Britain? Well, uh, my uh, humble opinion about the whole report uh, is very simple. It does not contain proofs of Russian interference, either let it be a referendum or uh, elections or internal affairs. It means that uh, Russia does not intervene into uh, the affairs, although since there is no, no proof for that. As about, uh, what about targeting? Targeting is a more uh, a different things. Uh, I think it's a wrong perception in the first place here. We defend our interests and we defend our policy. Uh, this is absolutely. Uh, NATO has taken a, a position uh, as a leader of the Western world, uh, uh, a policy of deterrence and dialogue towards Russia. And uh, London would like to be a leader uh, in these efforts. There is 95% of deterrence and only 5% of dialogue. Of course, uh, we, we have uh, to do something with that. And uh, I don't believe that uh, the proper uh, word here is uh, targeting. We are just in, uh, producing our own uh, perception, our own uh, views on the subjects. But these stories keep emerging, don't they, of Russian hackers, either political or criminal, targeting Britain's security or secrets. Is the Russian government worried about all these stories that come out? We are not worried about the content uh, of these allegations uh, because I haven't, as I say, I haven't seen any proof to it. But we are worried about uh, the other things. Uh, since in the recent days uh, in uh, media uh, here in uh, Britain, a lot of mud have been thrown to our direction. It, it uh, of course, provokes little appetite in Moscow to develop dialogue. Let me sort of uh, ask you how you or how Moscow regards relations between the UK and Russia. I mean, there has been some mud thrown, as mm -hmm. you said. Mm -hmm. um, how can you repair relations? What is the state of relations? The state of relations is difficult. Uh, political contacts are close to, to be frozen. Uh, and this is very bad. Uh, I have seen some expression of intentions to review uh, uh, this policy to restart a relationship in the political field, but all of this is being damped by this attack once and once again. I do not know whether it is change of policy here in London or it is just a coincidence of different subjects, Magnitsky law, uh, then allegations about interference, uh, then about hacking uh, for coronavirus uh, vaccine, uh, which is nonsense, of course, because we have already developed that. Uh, we have developed at least four different coronavirus vaccines and uh, I hope that trials will be finished pretty soon and pretty soon we are going to uh, 
to apply these vaccines on the population. Will you share the secrets of those vaccines with the West? It is not a problem at all. We are for cooperation among scientists. Your scientists in Oxford, by the way, uh, they have very good relationship with our scientists. And before the lockdown and the end of the last year, uh, many of your scientists, heads of the universities, under the auspices of uh, Oxford University, has made a trip to Moscow. They have sent a lot of them. And scientific inter, uh, inter uh, action and cooperation, work, cooperation uh, uh, continues, uh, I do believe, even after the lockdown and, and all these crises. What do you think needs to be done at the moment to repair the damaged relations between London and Moscow? A uh, very simple thing, that uh, the government of London uh, should be realistic. Uh, it should understand uh, the benefits of cooperation and uh, working with Russia, but not against Russia. Deterrence is the policy uh, that has been uh, as I said, uh, are taken up against Russia. And of course, it, it is not a cooperation which we have all envisaged. Can I ask you now about relations, um, as, as a diplomat, uh, you'll know, um, about relations between the US and Russia. Uh, what, what do you make of uh, President Trump's approach to Russia? These relations are much worse. Uh, of uh, between US uh, and Russia, I will say, because <clears throat> the Russian factor is the main game uh, in the pre-election campaign. Uh, between uh, it's a, uh, a kind of co competition between Republicans and Democrats, who will make more accusations about Russia. Now we have also a Chinese factor uh, added to that, but uh, still uh, uh, accusations of Russia uh, uh, now is a central piece of that. Uh, and it is uh, very bad to the diplomatic relations, it is very bad to humanitarian and all of that. But it is different uh, in, from the UK situation because in the UK there is no, <laughs> no electoral competition for the moment. That is why I simply do not understand why a UK always in the recent weeks joins uh, um, uh, uh, these accusational statements uh, by, the, by Washington. And who would, who would Moscow prefer to see in the White House, President Trump or Joe Biden? Uh, well, this is a provoking question. <laughs> I, uh, we will work either uh, with anyone who is going to win the elections, and we have no, no, no interest who is going to win. I'm sure you do, but you're being very diplomatic. Believe me, uh, it, it is not the case. If you will ask me uh, who, whom, we would, whom we are going to prefer here, conservatives or, or laborists, it, it's no matter for us. But we will just uh, have to work with uh, this or that person uh, for the better, not for the worse, of course. What is your take then on the decision by the US to withdraw from certain organizations, international organizations, and treaties too, including the World Health Organization and the Paris Climate Accord. Yeah. These are serious organizations. Uh, this uh, list is very long. Uh, so Uni uh, United States uh, has proclaimed uh, an idea that we all should work uh, on the rules-based order. Uh, but if you will uh, look into this uh, more attentively, you will see that the uh, United States is trying to ruin uh, this rules-based order by withdrawing from World Health Organization, by Paris Climate, by, uh, and, and many others. Uh, for instance, uh, nuclear deal with Iran, withdrawing from it. 
uh, a, a double state uh, Palestine and Israel a construction in the Middle East. They invented something different, which is which is bad. They're withdrawing from INF Treaty. Uh, they are withdrawing from Open Skies Treaty. They are withdrawing from uh, International Court of uh, uh, International Criminal Court and from a very important organ, uh, Geneva-based uh, Human Rights Commission. It's a long list, and all these uh, things, they, this is a construction of international uh, order based on, the, uh, on laws, on international law which is now called, what is it, a rules-based order? In fact, this is an order which uh, has, uh, is established and ruled by the United States. So uh, we do not understand this dualism. On the one hand, they are trying to establish a legal order. On the other hand, they are ruining it themselves. Joe Biden is a favourite now in the polls to take over in the White House. Would he reverse some of these decisions, do you think? Oh, hardly. The United States is a very big ship. To reverse the course of the ship, uh, you need an enormous effort. You need to convince the equipage, you need to convince passengers that the ship should be reversed. So it will be, it's a long run. One ship that can't be reversed is Britain uh, leaving the European Union, um, Brexit. Um, do you think that will affect Russia's relationship with the UK or indeed affect relationship with the EU and Europe? Uh, not seriously, uh, of course, not seriously. Uh, at the moment, uh, and even not at the moment, a couple of uh, years ago, uh, United Kingdom was mainly guided by the principles of policy of the European Union. So it was uh, by the policy of the European Union. It's a common uh, lowest denominator, of course, uh, which is uh, looking at different factors uh, in this field. At the moment, uh, Britain will be more independent, but uh, the tendency which we are observing for the moment that uh, UK policy is more and more uh, linked to the policy of the United States, and this is worrying us a bit. What, are you saying that Washington is controlling London diplomatically? I, I wouldn't say uh, I wouldn't <laughs> go that much, uh, but I also understand that, uh, see if uh, in the trade negotiations, Britain would like to have a better uh, positions. Of course, uh, then it has to submit certain interests to the policy which is being dictated from Washington. But the U.S. and U.K. traditionally are best friends and strongest allies. Yes. Uh, and no, there is some criticism, of course, right now arised in uh, different newspapers. But in any way, we do see a certain consolidation of English-speaking uh, nations <laughs> on a different basis, even uh, on the basis of five uh, so-called Five Eyes uh, Intelligence Union <laughs> as well. Uh, no, this is one another factor of development here. Um, the U.S. State Department has called for financial penalties on investors and other business uh, participants in the undersea pipeline that will carry natural gas from Russia to Germany. What is the Russian view towards what is effectively a threat? Uh, a financial threat? It is threat? Uh, not a threat to us, but it is more a threat, a, a to, threat the, to the investors. Uh, to investors, to European investors and allies. This is a, a commercial project which uh, we even do not initiate it. It has been initiated by Germany. And imposing sanctions of it, extraterritorial sanctions, or, as it is now going on, threatening companies uh, which are involved into this, this is unscrupulous, uh, really. This is an, uh, an appropriate uh, means of uh, economic of competition in the economic field. 
But I think it's, that it's Europe a sign, should... isn't it, of, 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 of the US worrying that Germany um, is going to be over-reliant on Russian energy? Well, the, it depends. This is a matter for Germany, <laughs> of course, and other countries who do believe that uh, this gas will be cheaper for them than the liquid gas uh, imported from the United States. And here you have uh, to choose uh, the economic side and political side. But uh, as I understand, and often they're very closely linked. You do not count money <laughs> for, uh, being guided only by political uh, political uh, considerations. Of course, you business is uh, proceeding from economic reasons, and this is natural. But this handling of the allies and handling of Europe uh, at uh, by by uh, by Washington for us it is totally ununderstandable. So are you saying that Washington is worried about the deal on economic grounds, not diplomatic or source of power? Opposite, opposite uh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, absolutely opposite, because the uh, imp importation of liquid gas from uh, United States uh, costs much more than a gas that is supplied, supplied by tubes uh, from Russia. Is the European market important for Russia in terms of power? Because Gazprom could well look to other markets, perhaps uh, bigger markets like Asian markets. And we are doing it, so uh, it is uh, pipelines under construction to China, different parts of China we are going to supply. Uh, this is an enormous market. But Europe, of course, will remain within the scope of our attention. Uh, it is about 20% of our trade. Uh, and we will uh, continue to work with Europe. We will not abandon Europe. We are a European nation, and a lot of trade and uh, relations uh, continue to be in this field. So was coming back to Brexit, was Moscow disappointed at the UK voting to leave Europe? Uh, we do not have any feeling about that. Uh, this is up to UK to decide uh, whether it feels more comfortable outside of European Union and being on her own, on its own, on her own, I'm not sure <laughs> what will be correct, or being inside the European Union. For us, it doesn't make a big difference. Uh, in, economic, in economic terms, of course, we, there is an opportunity for Russia to develop more relationship in the field of uh, trade uh, and investment, although investment, even at the moment, are very big, I should say, from UK, and they continue to increase, even in the recent year, from UK to Russia. Uh, and some barriers uh, which has been posed uh, by uh, European Union in our trade has already fallen, but we still do not see any activity uh, of uh, UK government in uh, who would like to establish uh, good and proper economic terms with us, since there are political barriers to this. You mentioned in your previous answer uh, about China and uh, links, power links to China. What is the state of relations between China and Russia? I think it is partnership relations and they are going pretty well uh, in economic terms, uh, in terms of trade, uh, in terms of uh, partnership, even in strategic areas, I would say that we, we feel that we can be partners with China and we have a long, long, long story of partnership and uh, different relationships. So I think that we have a good future together. I mean, there's been so much change during this pandemic, um, not least uh, economically. The world is in a very difficult place economically. I think, was it 8 trillion is going to be wiped off GDP because of the pandemic. What role, is there a role for Russia going forward economically to try and solve some of these problems? Uh, you know that in the beginning of pandemic, uh, in April, I do believe late March and April, there were uh, a lot of articles and a lot of opinions how world is going to change after the pandemics. 
Uh, there were predictions uh, that either it will be a new war or it will be uh, overall brotherhood of man uh, and end of the story like it has been said before. But the more and more I'm becoming convinced that not much uh, is going to change. Things will remain in place. With one exception, that all of us, including UK, US, Russia and the others, suffered economically very seriously. It means that GDP is lost and definitely we will have to spend coming years for a, a, a restoration of the present, of the past level of uh, economics before going forward. So we're all suffering, we're all in the same boat economically. Absolutely. We've all got to pay for COVID-19. Um, but is it damaging countries' relationships? You hinted towards this earlier in terms of how the situation suddenly has changed in the last few months. Yeah, in a way, yes, it is, uh, because all of us uh, would like, at least uh, the policy of my country is uh, uh, cooperation with the others, uh, cooperation in fighting coronavirus, cooperation in fighting economical uh, uh, disadvantages. But uh, some still would like uh, to make alliances here, as, as you see, some countries. They would like to, to, to be friends with uh, some countries and to deter other countries, uh, to divide, uh, uh, to, to, um, to make differences. So uh, this is a detrimental policy, of course. A lot of gloom and doom uh, after three, four months into the pandemic. Is there, Mr. Ambassador, any light at the end of the tunnel? What cheers you up when you're out playing tennis? What cheers me up is that the vaccine is uh, being near to... Uh, uh, to uh, the studies on the vaccine, at least in my country, they are very close to to the uh, to happy end, <laughs> and sooner or later, perhaps in the autumn, we are going we are going to start to uh, apply this vaccine to the population, uh, which is very important and which uh, shows us that there is a, a, some light in the end of the tunnel. That brings us to the end of another edition of the agenda. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on CGTN Europe Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. The most interesting questions. Are there other living beings beyond Earth? Will man or machine be in charge? Great question. Always have more than one answer. Well, hold on, uh, let me just draw up a list. And always come from more than one person. That's where the credibility lies. The concept of having a machinery which is alive and evolving didn't wait for us. The end of inequality of incomes and wealth around the world, can you imagine how difficult that is at the moment to achieve? Every episode, Stephen Cole, Murray Beveridge, and some of the brightest minds out there shed light on the answers to some of the most intriguing questions. There are two ways of looking at this. Machines can't really discriminate between civilian and military targets. The Answers Project. Maybe we need to just look at this in a bit more detail. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. The Answers Project, a new podcast from CGTN Europe.